Michael Sasanoa, CEO of Somaya Pharmaceuticals. Such a pleasure to have you here today. When I saw your your bio come across, instantly had my attention. You're involved in cannabis, medical cannabis, and you are in the European market. I want to talk to us a little bit, give us a brief overview. What is Somaya Pharmaceuticals? And then we're going to dive into some personal questions that I have about, about Europe and the exciting things that are happening over there. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on today. And uh, you're right. Uh, uh, it's pharmaceutical grade cannabis made in Europe. So my pharmaceuticals uh, manufactures it. Uh, so we take the uh, the biomass, the uh, plant materials, and we convert it to the products uh, uh, through an extracted uh, through the extraction. So uh, bringing the pharmaceutical projects to Europe is is uh, and bringing the U.S. know how is uh, is our you know what we're known for. How long has uh, Somaya been in business? You guys were operating in the U.S. at one point in time, correct? Well, we have we have companies operating in the U.S., okay. but they're separate from the uh, cap structure of Somai. Um, okay. And we had to segregate that for multiple reasons. So one was uh, recreational in the United States uh, doesn't uh, doesn't correlate to the European uh, standards of, of pharma. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, separating them made a lot of sense. The products are different. The processes are different. But the know-how is still the same. Um, you know what we've made in the United States translates over here, but it's just way more advanced in the United States than the European community. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I've been here. So my started in 2019, but really the company opened uh, last year in the summertime, um, and we were just we just keep make, turning out products. And uh, one of our things that we do is just keep making more products than anybody else in the community. Now, speak uh, for for our listeners, the the EU and the UK uh, cannabis space. Is there a cannabis space over there? And and talk about that. Yeah, I mean, What's, absolutely. Uh, Let's put it this way. There's the largest country is Germany. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're the largest uh, flower consumers in the market. Definitely the Bohemian Italy uh, second largest, uh, and and you can kind of liken this to development of states. Um, so Germany would be like your California back in the day, starting off. Italy, kind of like your your Florida, you know, strict rules, okay. and then you can follow through to other countries like uh, Luxembourg is recreational now. Malta's recreational. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Netherlands is trying to convert over to a legal format, even uh, even though they they're they're the the granddaddy of coffee shops, uh, right, you know, right. things. Um, you have uh, Barcelona. I was just there on a trip uh, looking at the all the social clubs. Yes. And, you know, the rules are developing, but just like in the United States, uh, the rules aren't there. So, you know, it causes companies like in Barcelona, they were talking how much they're struggling. But then you have prolific markets like Australia, every single product we make, products that you would see in the United States exist there from vaporizers to gummies. So there's more advanced markets and there's uh, markets that are, uh, you know, let's say larger volumes like Germany, but you can't get products like vaporizers and things like that. Uh, they're just uh, with drops and, and and formats like that. Now that's all for cannabis, correct? This is all or cannabis. These are all cannabis, exactly. all, cannabis pro- right. all cannabis products. So what are you guys... Before I ask, I'll actually, I printed out the list, went on your website. First of all, love your website. It's very educational. I love the the way that you went about 
presenting who you are to your consumer, to your partners, whoever might be that's reading it, you definitely understand that you're coming from a place of a medical standpoint and trying to point out how cannabis and the human body work harmoniously together. And I loved that. That was, that was the first things that I got off your page, just scrolling through it and that beautiful. So then I got into your page and I saw some of the, it looks like some of the products or at least some of the brand names, what they're sold as on the market. And I wanted to just ask you about some of those. You have uh, Epindiolex. I'm probably murdering these names. I know I'm terrible with that type of stuff. But could you maybe just give us a brief overview of some of the medications you that you have brought to market, the process that you yeah, went through absolutely. to get to that and everything? Without a doubt. You know, it's, it's interesting because we had to reverse what we know in the United States where you're just putting out your products, you're saying, you know, here, here's my, here my, my gummy bear lines. This is my hydrocarbon live resin lines. And you're pretty much explaining your products or your location or where you can buy these products. The difference over here is there's the, the educational gap is much greater. And you're also, you're restricted as to how you can advertise. So just like any pharmaceutical product, we can't go out there and say, you know, uh, you know, this is good for you. You should try this. And here's what, you know, here are the things that it solves. So we have to work a little bit backwards and go back to the beginning of educating people. So, you know, it's like a throwback 15, 20 years ago for, for the Americans. And, you know, you're talking from the beginning to doctors or to, you know, the patient groups in a sideways way and saying, okay, well, this is what it's about and trying to bring that educational level up there. When you kind of break it down, there's the pharmaceutical level products, which there's very few of. Um, so those would be your Epidiolex, Sativex, Marinol, uh, Dronabinol. Um, so these are, these have gone through clinical trials, just like any other uh, medicine uh, that you can consume. Where we, where we lie is a step, uh, is another area, which you would call the herbal medicines, distillates, uh, products created with distillates with different formats. So uh, drops, things we used to make ages ago, uh, which really don't exist that much in the US markets. Well, those are the those are the beginning steps here. Sprays, something that you know is not really in the US market, but uh, from the pharmaceutical perspective, um, you know, is very avant-garde here. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's very few people that even make that. Gel caps. Uh, things that were used, you know, something that you know we're used to getting with CBD, right? Mm -hmm. But however, for over here, gel caps is completely trans, you know, is a transitional. Like, wow, we can actually take this in a pill. We are now making vaporizers. Um, these are for the Australian and the UK market. Um, you know, it's so it it it's surprisingly not necessarily a medicine, a medicinal product, um, mm -hmm. but. They use it as now, is, this, is this through like the 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 healthcare system in these countries? Is this through like actual doctors, your your local family doctor that you're going to see, and all other medicine isn't working, or or how does a patient, how does a person go about getting? Because this isn't recreational, you know, like this isn't being sold at head shops and stuff, is it? This is this products that you're making at least, right? Currently, it's only it's only uh, it's doctor prescribed. Yeah, you go to your doctor whether it's your pain doctor or your oncologist or whatever, even your GP, and you, they're getting a prescription to solve any number, the same things that we're solving in the United States, uh, but they're doing it more formally through their doctors. 
you know, so it's less of a trial and error to what works. Uh, well, it's the same trial and error exists, but you still have to go in between with your doctor. So yeah, okay. it is that. But I mean, if you kind of kept up with some of the news that's going on over here, it's 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 yeah. uh, recreational is pushing all over the place. So I did, you know, yeah, they're looking at the social clubs. Um, mm-hmm. They're looking at it more from the social aspect. And now let's see if that translates into things we're used to in the U.S., like dispensaries um, to right. make the access big. Even the possibility of delisting uh, cannabis as a narcotic has been floated just recently. As of the other day, the rumor started going around uh, with the leaked documents from the German um, uh, the German uh, recreational program they're trying to uh, uh, administer. Now, I heard some rumors that Germany was was just a couple weeks or like a month or so away. They're talking that like by July, it's legal over there. Is that true? Or is that just rumors that are getting, you know, telephoned across the ocean and then we're hearing them wrong over here? No, it's very real. Um, but, you know, you, 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 you know, as well as anybody, uh, uh, the governments and the politicians have, right. have a funny way of making this up for everyone. So, mm-hmm. you know. We're we're not even quite sure if, if the social club is necessarily the right aspect because the way they're doing it is, okay, you have your social club, but you have to grow your own product for your members and you're limited in the amount of members. Well, anybody who's grown knows that's an expensive process mm-hmm. just to have a limited, you know, outreach. Yeah. So yeah. it's like Malta, Luxembourg, you know, they have the same recreational program they've announced, but yet to materialize. Um, but, you know, and, and similarly to Barcelona, it's it's a similar concept, um, but Barcelona, they haven't legitimized the actual buy side yet. Right, just right. The it's all donation. I love, yeah, I was in Barcelona just, I think it was like a month and a half, two months ago. Be- first time there, beautiful city, went from London to Barcelona and it made the, made the trip so, so much better, you know, being able to touch down and go to a social club, went to one that was uh, called club guru went there because of somebody that I follow on social media, actually Soma seeds and old school geneticists from over there in the EU. And anyway, it was a wonderful experience, but then it reminded me of back in the day, like 2014, 2015 Colorado of when cannabis just got recreation was just recreational. And there was so many gray areas and you did actually have I knew some people that had little social lounges like this and they were doing kind of the same thing, but those got shut down very fast and they got really harsh penalties. But to see that some of these, you know, social clubs have been going for almost a decade, some of them. And, you know, that's been a while. It's not as long as, like you said, the original coffee shops that are there in, in the Netherlands. It's still, it's, it's exciting to see the, the acceptance almost in a way. Now there in Germany, I, used, I was in the military. I was stationed over in Germany, had the pleasure of being over there. At the end of my time when I got out and I, I was able to spend some civilian time there as well, hashish was a lot easier to get over there, uh, sometimes even than flour. And it was very good and actually found that there was quite a bit of cannabis there in Germany. Um, but it, the penalties over there are also very, very strict for any type of use or distribution or anything how have you guys been able to go about how was the reception because you're producing like you said oils tinctures stuff that we saw you know 15 20 years ago in the US that that's that type of stuff was going so it's it's kind of the same way over there in, in Europe is what i'm seeing is you know they're they're like 
about 10 years behind us in the cannabis revolution, if you will. Am, am I hearing that correct? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, you know, the, the laws now, like they're less trying to criminalize uh, the actual usage. Uh, as a matter of fact, most of them, you know, it's fairly lax for usage now. But, you know, you know, dealing for sure uh, is not tolerated if right. looking for it, which they're really not. And, you know, the Moroccan hash is still the most in-demand, best-priced hash um, mm -hmm. in the market. And Morocco just legalized also. Um, but the Moroccan growers have to do deals with people like us who manufacture it. So, you know, we get a lot of calls from over there. You know, can we can we work with you guys in order to yeah. legitimize uh, our license um, and stuff? And yeah, the the those clubs in Barcelona, they're fantastic. What was the products I was buying? So I went in there and as a gracious to be gracious to the hosts uh, that that's let me come in to see it as an industry person. Um, I bought everything that I could do just to, you know, as gifts for people. And where did I find? I'm buying California yes. cartridges. Ah, with, yes. With the California Sydney on it. Yeah. So, yep. you know, the, and, and, you know, when I was, uh, my friend in Thailand sent me back a picture. He goes, hey, do you know this vape? I go, I go, that's a California insignia of that, the, the cartridge, you know, right on, on top of it. So, it looks like the U.S. products has made their way over here, you know, regardless. Yes, they do. You know, we could talk about that really quick. I, I experienced, I didn't see the cartridges. I went to the club I went to. I won't say the name on here. They were amazing. I loved them. They The first day that I went there, they had, the first two times I went there, I went there three days in a row. They had just their in-house product. Very good. It was some really good, I would say, like land-raced heirloom strains. I cat pissed for the first time in probably almost 11 years, I was able to smoke cat piss, which is a, an amazing sativa strain and also very pain relieving sativa strain. But they told me they're like, you know, we had, and then they had some cartridges there. I will say that it was kind of sad seeing, they said that these were the ones that they produced just the quality of it uh, coming from someone that's in a manufacturing of extract products and stuff here in the U S and the, in the hemp space right now, just because of where our company and stuff is. It was still just sad to see the quality it was very, very dark oil. The terpenes just were not there. The flavor was not there and the effect wasn't there. But they said, we have something special coming in tomorrow. Come in. And then when I went in there, it was like you said, California products. They had California bud. They had some vape carts and stuff there. And, and it was kind of funny to me to see that, you know, of it just infiltrating. And then I was reading an article just yesterday there in the Thailand market. It's actually a problem for them right now because they are there is such a influx outside cannabis, whether it be coming from the US or sometimes other markets coming from Africa and stuff coming into Thailand. And it's superior to what they're able to grow there currently right now and cheaper than what the locals can produce it for. And so it's really you know, Thailand is a, a budding new market that I'm actually, I'm interested in and I'm just encouraged to see it as well being in Asia and this market happening, but it's already getting hit with, you know, products that are coming from over here in America. And I, I see that as honestly a problem in America, because if we would just do some legalization over here, it would allow for more consumption and more of these products that are made here at home here in the U S could stay in the U S, you know, and then we can start doing interstate, you know, trade and stuff. You brought up Moroccan hash. South Africa. Do you guys work with anybody from South Africa? There's some people that there was a guy that reached out to me that he said that they that the government had just legalized 
cannabis for for growing uh, and for distribution purposes and everything, and that they were looking for companies in the EU to partner with. And he had seen us because of the stuff that we're doing on our side with trying to be in the EU as well. Do you work with any companies from other parts of Africa? Absolutely. I mean, South Africa, Lesotho, they have, uh, uh, I think, 70 plus growers and some of them large scale over there, you know, as well as a, a few a, a few South American countries, by the way, uh, uh, as well. So, you know, these countries are, you know, of course, the genetic developments um, that we have in the U.S., especially the West Coast or even, yes. you know, Canada to some extent, you know, mm-hmm. uh, B.C. Uh, cannabis growers. Th- these are highly developed strains. Mm-hmm. And so the larger scale growers you know, are just developing and breaking in a lot of these growths because they've been functioning for two or three or more years, you know, still relatively new and getting their genetics into cycle is still going to take a while. Um, But yeah, these are places uh, definitely that are turning out volumes. They want to come to the bigger markets, which is the EU. We sit in in that phase of being able to process it for them, similar to you, and so we sit in that middle of that pond and watch, you know, all of these growers develop. And it's quite incredible. You talk about them wanting to get into the EU with it being such a big market. And as we're sitting here talking, we're talking about different countries all across the globe doing trade with cannabis together. Now, is it all legal? We don't have to get into that, but there are legal there are ways for them to do stuff, except with the US. The US is one of those companies or one of those countries that pretty much has its borders closed off to all things cannabis, right? That's right. That's right. I mean, look, the, 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 the gray market will do what it wants to do. There is no rules, right, right. but you know, that's what it is yeah. uh, for our market, which is, is uh, the, the legal market. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We are global importers and we are global exporters. So as long as the rules, you know, beneficial rules exist in that country, um, you know, we can, and you're registered properly. We can buy your product from South Africa. We can buy the product from Colombia. And we do. Um, And they will produce, you know, much more economically uh, than inter-EU. Now, we have also deals inter-EU of suppliers uh, also. Um, And then when our products are made, well, those are also legal tender to go outside borders. So uh, all the countries I've named, Australia, Germany, you know, even up and coming countries like France, Brazil's up and coming uh, for CBD, as you point out, that's a, a market for us there for our CBD product. South, uh, 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 South Korea for a, a yeah. CBD product. These exist and we can transport to them under the pharmaceutical grade insignias right now. And that kind of correlates with the 2020 ruling of the UN uh, where they, they, uh, uh, um, reclassified cannabis as a medicine. So something the U.S. has yet to do. And yeah, the U.S. is a closed off border. Um, It's closed off for pharmaceutical goods too, by the way. Um, They just have a completely different cycle uh, than most of Europe. But most of Europe, Asia, India, these countries, um, they believe in herbal herbal medicines, which, you know, uh, is exactly where cannabis would fall in my my book. Mm -hmm. You, with that UN ruling that happened in 2020, do you think that's what we started? That's why a lot of these different countries we saw legalize or start a push towards after that ruling happened. Is that is that without a doubt? Push or, 
you know, that was what, that's what made it happen. That, um, that, that was the crease that, that moved the wheels quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Germany started in 2017, but it was, you know, a very small program at that point in time. Uh, you didn't really have international commerce going on uh, to the extent it is today where you're talking, um, you know, that there's, there's now reports uh, because they're, they're significant values to the economies like Portugal, the number one infrastructure of cannabis in all of Europe today. Uh, they have 20 certified uh, growers um, and, 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 uh, and companies here with over 100 in the queue. So it's one of the largest infrastructures, whereas you juxtapose to Germany, they have three, three growers and producers in that country, you know, plus a few other ancillary producers um, that are not uh, registered through their program. Other countries like, uh, let's say, Australia, um, you know, even though it's not in the EU, it's one of the fastest growing markets. And now it's, it's kind of spilled over to New Zealand. And they were staunchly against it for years. And then suddenly, you know, last year out of nowhere, you know, uh, New Zealand is picking up news. So um, definitely that 2020 ruling made it a lot easier for everyone. It legalized it as a medicine, made it very clear because there's a few things at play. There's the United Nations, there's the EU parliament, and there's the individual countries' rules. So, you know, uh, the UN is, is one of those ones that have been uh, really a stickler about not changing it. And to call it a medicine was the first big movement uh, from that Narcotics Treaty of 1961 and 1971 Single Convention Treaty, which is what was barring the, the global trade. So, yeah. It's so amazing to see the progressive movements that we are around the world. Just wish America could be more progressive, but we are in our own right. We've pioneered a lot of different things with cannabis and, you know, a lot of people want to be like America. But at the end of the day, like you've said, more countries are more open to trade and everything. We're more closed off with. But with a lot of these countries, though, you know, still America is still the one country that has the most recreational use. Most of these countries are still just medical. But you're you're saying that they're booming markets. How how big of a market? I mean. You guys moved your entire operation. You have your entire operations pretty much set up over there in the EU and you're doing this all medically. So is there is there a lot of people that are seeking out alternative medicine, seeking out cannabis as a as a form of relief in their daily lives? Yeah, absolutely. If you kind of take the U.S. market, uh, you know, that's the heavyweight champion of the world. Thirty billion dollars in sales, um, despite our complaints um, you know, which are obvious, there should be some federal legality, at least uh, safe banking at minimum, taxation should be reasonable, some states shouldn't be as restrictive, and some states should be a little more restrictive to keep the uh, people in business. So there's pluses and minuses. What are we losing out on in the U.S.? And where is the EU cleaning our clock? Well, the, we're losing out in the global trade. We're losing out in being open to that. And this is a time when cannabis companies in the U.S. can use it, even though mm-hmm. revenues may go up, profitability is not there uh, due to, you know, those things that I, I outlined. If we could actually penetrate global markets, well, I mean, that would be an advantage. We're just letting it get away. So the company here was independently set up, built from scratch to conform to pharmaceutical regulations. And that global market, those global medicines, 
That's something way different. That quality standard can be distributed recreationally. It can be distributed on a global basis. We just need to get the regulations from the overall umbrella, the UN and in particular, change to that. And, you know, that will be the challenge. I mean, but like you said, the U.S. has got to concentrate on its issues. It's still the heavyweight champion of the world, will be probably forever. And the EU will be the second largest market, second to Canada, uh, probably in a few years. What's the market size here? It's, it's a measly 500 million, which is the starting state. But then again, you're only talking about 35, 35 license sets compared to 30,000 in the United States. So it's a, you know, a massive difference of infrastructure, a massive difference in adoption. Um, and if you start to see uh, some movement this year, which you will in Germany, I think you're going to see a very fast brush fire, uh, similar to the early days, as you point out in Colorado, where, you know, the medical, it was going along pretty good. And then suddenly that recreational kicked in, boom, it still keeps growing, even though you thought it would mature. Yep. Yep. 10 years later, you know, Colorado is still just booming. And then it's been the the example for so many states that have now followed, you know, now where the majority of America is for cannabis or and has cannabis laws on the on the books. It's coming. You're I want to switch gears just for a couple minutes because there's there's a couple other things, you know, we've talked about where cannabis is going, of how it's spreading across the world, what you guys are doing for the pharmaceutical side and the dedication to expanding well we didn't get into too much but of expanding the abilities of the plant all this is good but if you can't run the business and if you can't pay the bills none of it works and if you have to always if you're if you have a hard time dealing with your money which can be a problem here in america for some cannabis businesses is where do they put their money how do they pay their employees how do they do do this and do that you've been involved in banking and in finance as well in this sector haven't you yeah, I, I mean, uh, my background is uh, economics, uh, banking, real estate development. When you're going into cannabis, you know, one is the love of the plant. Of course, this is necessary. You have to love what you're doing. Um, the other is managing it right so that you can be profitable and budget yourself right in development in the different stages from build up uh, to execution on sales. And, you know, a lot of times, sure, uh, many companies, as we've seen, have fallen short in that respect. But I can just tell you from experience, you got to have extreme budgets and you have to stick to them. They have to be long-term years out. They have to adjust. Um, they have to be constantly revisited on a regular basis, weekly, monthly. And you got to hit the targets because there is not an infinite flow of capital that will support you. And we're seeing that now in the U.S. markets. They're laden with too much debt, some of them 100% debt to capital. It's rough. You can't survive in 50% not profitability, harsh, mostly to blame on taxation, to be fair. But still, still, you could eke it out and have a few percentages there and try to, you know, try to run it smooth. Here, you know, it, it's less of the, of, it's less of a problem, the taxation issue, because it's taxed like any other product. There is no a difference between selling a bottle of water and selling a cannabis plant uh, when it comes to taxation issues. Um, it exists on the same things. But the, you know, the thing here is you have to educate more. You have to knock on doors of doctors and tell them about your products. Um, you know, so that's a much heavier spend to get to that point of sales and profitability 
rather than opening your door and blasting out a bunch of Instagrams and saying, hey, we're here. So, you know, there's a plus and minus to it all. But yeah, you need to have budgeting or you're going to you're you're going to be closing your doors. And we had four facilities in Portugal. I'm sorry, not just in Portugal, in in the EU, one was in, in another country, a tour in another country. And they 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 went bust. And, you know, the the money train does not run forever. Right. How's the banking been for companies over there securing? Are you able to secure outside investment through traditional means or does it still have to come from private investors and people putting in to start up one of these companies? Um, how is the how is the the management of your money? And, and you said that it's taxed just like everything else. So are you still able to claim like the same deductions as a normal business would like over here in the U.S.? As a cannabis business, you're not allowed to claim payroll tax. And that's, you know, yeah, sometimes a huge, it's, it's a huge thing for, for companies and you have to be creative with that. How is it treated over there in the EU? Yeah, 280 is a nightmare. It's got to go away. But anyways, yeah, no, it's, this is uh, just like any other, uh, any other product you make, the same deductions, the same exact thing. And in fact, the EU government, Portugal to be specific, uh, gave us 2.7 million euros. Can you imagine? They're really? supporting us with money and not a little money, a lot of money. Yeah. And so, you know, they believe in the industry. They want to support it. Um, you know, Portugal doesn't have, it's not as robust an economy as Germany or some of the richer countries. And they get the importance of, of supporting their the pharmaceutical industry, especially the cannabis industry. Um, so we have support. You know, we want more regulations to give greater access uh, to the to the groups. Um, but yeah, the banking we have normal banks, no problem. Of course, in a startup phase, you're doing a different kind of a capital raise than later. Um, but our banking, when we decide to go for for a a more banking orientated raise, well, we're NASD because we're farm pharma, we're pharmaceutical. So we're not OTCQB, we're not CSE, we're Toronto, we're NASDAQ, we're London. So, you know, if we do go that way, you know, we have options there because of the pharmaceutical derivation and the global trading position of cannabis in our markets. So there's a lot greater doors opened in that front, but also we still got to get those numbers up from 500 million into the billions and we'll need a lot more infrastructure. The infrastructure is not going to support uh, the European community, which has a population twice that of the United States, just about. Do you think that they're going to keep these same types of standards and stuff when they go over into a recreational use market over there, or even just a more widely accepted medical market? You know, if they, I would say it would be a a progressive move forward, even if they just went more medical and took it outside of just your normal doctor's offices and getting it from pharmacies and allowed you to get it from dispensaries and various types of forms, such as flour, edible, edibles, topicals, vaporables, and stuff. As we, they take these steps, do you think that they're going to keep the same? Cause it sounds like to me that they're way more progressive on the, on the fact of how they treat cannabis, like a normal, just a normal business, like any other plant, you know, it's nothing special. They don't see it as a, a money tree, a, a mint, if you will, growing out of the ground, like it seems like some of these places in America treat it with the insane taxation and just the stuff that they put against these companies. Do you think that's going to, what do you see over there, Germany, Portugal, you're involved in it. 
you're you're probably helping push for some of these things. So what do you see from the business side of it? I mean, if you would have asked me this question a few weeks ago, my answer would have been definitive. There's going to be no change in standards for cultivating or for uh, or for manufacturing. I, I would have been staunchly against it. With, I mean, I'm not saying the rules are finalized yet, um, yeah. but you know, reading in or reading the tea leaves, let's say, of what these social program, uh, social club programs may look like. Um, you know, home. It looks homegrown to me. Um, you know, is that where they stop? No, I think they will come. They, and they did say their second pillar. They were clear. Uh, the second pillar is is going to be dispensaries that we would be normal. Uh, we that would be normal to us. Um, but then, you know, recent recent rumors that possibly they may change it from a narcotic. I mean, my money my money is fifty fifty now. It's easy for us to go from the high standard to a lower standard. You can never go from a lower standard to an upper standard where we're at. That's just impossible um, due to the air handling units and procedures in place. But if we make a vaporizer, can we be competitive? Well, I could be competitive to the Barcelona social. If the prices were, as I understood them, 20 euros uh, for a, a cartridge wholesale or for mm -hmm. up to 40 euros, uh, depending if it's live resin or not. Yeah. Okay. I'm from the US market. That's fine by me. So, yeah. you know, accepted. Now we have to find the path to sell to them. And we're one of the few companies that actually will produce an American style distillate where it's a refined distillate, not that crude oil that you mm -hmm. might have seen. We're using terpene flavors, you know, combos that make sense for us. You know, we're limited to 5% use of it. So we can't blast out those flavonoids too much, um, but you know, five percent's enough. It's it's going to yeah, get you. you a is that five percent over? Is that is that because of regulation? Like you can only use five percent terpenes, and is that just what is that from? I think the regulators scratch their head as to the usage of all of this, so you know they don't really know exactly what to say. So let's just put it at five percent, and 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 let's keep it there uh, because that may ensure that the terpenes we use don't interfere with the, with the actual cannabinoids. So gotcha. it's about what does that terpene do to the cannabinoid? Is it becoming an, an active ingredient or is it a passive flavonoid? And so if the answer is 5%, we'll pass that as a flavonoid, you get to 10%, well, that sounds like an active ingredient to them. Okay. And I think that's more, more of the way. Of course, all of this will change as time goes on. This is a beginning point. Um, but, you know, I'm invested in the quality standard that we have. And I think people may appreciate that even if the standards go lower. Um, you know, like you pointed out, nobody's going to like a crude oil formed, you know, janky uh, cartridge. It's no. just not going to it's still good. Our, we have the ceramics and we have the caps on the tops and the caps on the bottoms and a nice packaging. Well, that goes a long way to confidence in a product, just like any product, even if whatever product, the gummy bears were quite shocking to me. So I bought a ton of them just to, you know, they, it was like 25 MGs is the starting point. Isn't that like, <laughs> isn't that beyond the beginner level? Right, you right. Know? <laughs> you know, with, you know, 10 MGs, no problem, you know, great night out for the day, you know, yeah. 25, is that, are we going to sleep tonight? Right. You know, what's, what's. What's the starting point here?
but where are they even getting those numbers, you know, because with, with there being no standards and stuff and the testing facilities aren't as widely, um, able to be reached. And, and I'm not even sure we, our company, the, the standard BM that we have, which is our hemp company and everything, we've been looking at the international market with some different things. And we've been working for almost a year trying to get a, a product into the UK Fingers crossed, maybe weeks away, our current product has been at a lab. Um, we're waiting on the COAs to come back. And so then we'll see. We'll see if we get approval and everything on that. But it was it was just a process finding the correct lab to get stuff tested at and everything. Standards have to be put in place. And then, you know, there's like you said, there's only only so there's a minimal amount of licenses and actual licensed facilities and stuff over there. And so the the, the ability for quality products. I just don't feel is there yet. Uh, thankfully, there are companies like yourself that when the markets start expanding, you're already ready to bring over, as you said, the heavyweight abilities of the US over to the EU and, and show them these different methods of extraction and processing and everything. It's exciting to see the markets growing. And, and from a, a business standpoint, it seems like the EU is a more favorable place to do business for cannabis as it grows, as it expands, as the markets open up because of the way that they treat cannabis. They don't, it's not treated as anything special. So that's very exciting to, to hear. And we look forward to seeing where they continue to go. The standards are going to ensure confidence in everybody, no matter where you're at. Right. You know, I mean, if you're looking for the, you know, bottom shelf, you know, homegrown, don't care what it looks like. Don't care if it's trimmed or not. Well, okay, that's one market and that's fine. And that market deserves to have product and be heard. But there's a whole nother market, especially opening up demographics, uh, different age groups to, and bringing things from outside to inside under the legal manner. Um, you know, for your industry, I assume you're operating under GMP, um, mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, you know what those standards are. The cannabis industry in the United States isn't even GMP yet. No, so, it's not. yeah, so imagine. You know, the, the CBD market is well more advanced in that respect. And then once you go to GMP pharmaceutical, you know, I'll bring a tear to your eye with the expenses uh, in order to do it. Uh, but I'd love to talk to you afterwards and see if we can help you here in Europe. I would love to. Um, with, and with the different markets, because there's things are easier than you would think. Like we can self-clear our lab. So our we have our own lab and we can okay. self-clear the products and represent them uh, because that we've invested into that. Um, so there's a lot of benefits that people don't know in the U.S. because, the, you know, we have a different we, the, the process is different. And I was not going to make a CBD product until um, a few months ago. Um, I thought, OK, you know, we're only doing THC products. We have to stick to those guns. Well, the biggest seller CBD over here and there's they they their biggest difficulty is who do we trust to make the products? Yeah. And starting last year, we said, okay, and we've had a bigger reception in more countries than I could have even imagined. And it's a phenomenal product. You know, it's a, very, it's, it's a matter of fact, my eyes are wide open because I was stuck in that THC mentality the whole time <laughs> in the United States. And suddenly my eyes said, well, I could sell this much easier, much better. It's much clearer. They're prescribing it more. And even they're taking our THC products and they're saying, all right, I don't want a 10 for 10. I want that to be X. And so take buy the 10 for 10, buy the SOMI one, you know, 
uh, CB, pure CBD, the zero for 100 or whatever. And I want you to mix those and, and come up with a different formulation. And that's happening. So, oh, awesome. you know, it's really awesome what's happening. I, I'm, my eyes are very much different now that I see, you know, the, you know, getting a reputational value around a product. I will. I would. I would love to talk to you offline. We're actually our company. The standard is going to be out in Germany, uh, the end of next month in June at the ICBC convention. Uh, there, I'll be. Berlin. You're sponsoring that. Are you? Well, yeah, my brother, we just yeah, we need to set up and just meet each other in person. Then I'll be there. That has to happen. Please that let's do that. Okay. Okay. Let's, uh, yeah. Let, we'll we'll connect off, offline, and uh, I look forward to that. Thank you so much, Michael. I appreciate just your knowledge and everything that you brought to us today, and just sharing light on a new market. I, like I said, I have my own interest in it, but I'm sure there's tons of people here that already have operations that are looking at doing other things and you just shed a new, new light of the possibilities. And I appreciate that and wish you the best. Look forward to meeting you in the future and have a wonderful day. Thanks Bryce. I look forward to seeing ICBC. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.